1: We are beginning, or we started a series last week, a four-week family and marriage series called Love and Respect. And in Love and Respect, those are really the two key elements for any successful relationship, love and respect. Now, last week, we saw a foundational principle of the primary need that a woman has is the love element. And the primary need that a man has is the respect element. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you, get online and you look at that message. Why? Because it's foundational to this entire series. See, what happens, though, is that many times we neglect and do not give each other in a marriage relationship what we desperately need the most. And so I said this last week that whenever a wife looks at her husband through her pink glasses and she does not feel loved, guess what? She reacts. That's called the crazy cycle, right? She reacts. And whenever she reacts, what happens? The man looks at her reaction through his blue sunglasses, and he feels disrespected. And whenever the man feels disrespected, then he responds, and then he doesn't give her the love she's looking for. And then she reacts in a disrespectful way, and he feels even more disrespected. And it's a crazy cycle that so many couples are on, and it's a downward spiral in so many marriages. Um, I read in Dr. Um, Eggerson's book, Love and Respect, the title that this series is named after, he tells of a couple who was celebrating their 10th wedding anniversary. Now, this guy had always forgotten their anniversary. But this particular time, he remembered. He was coming home from work, and he's like, oh, it's our 10th anniversary. So he goes to the Hallmark store. He looks around for a card, and he finds one that looks really pretty. And he reads it and goes, oh, my goodness, this is her. This is awesome. She'll love it. And so he buys it, signs his name, and he comes home. He bought her a gift as well. Comes home, hands her the card. She's elated. This is like the first anniversary that he's ever remembered. And so she's elated. She opens up the card. She starts reading it, and suddenly her eyes grow dead. She's downcast, and he's like, what, what's wrong? And she goes, nothing. And he goes, no, no, really, what's going on, what's wrong? Nothing, it's no problem. No, there is a problem, well, what's going on? Well, I guess this is a good card for my birthday. And he's like, what? Yeah, it's a birthday card. And he grabs it and says, oh, unbelievable. And she goes, yeah, you're unbelievable, And he's just like, well, uh, it's it's an honest mistake. An honest mistake, really? And and then she goes, you know what? If you took your car to be detailed and you have one little line that's off, you'd notice that. But you know what? You care about your car more than you care about me. You gave me a birthday card for our anniversary. I wish you hadn't even gotten me a card. And he responds back, you know what? I'm glad I got your birthday card. And he storms out. Now, here's the thing. He's been home two minutes. This is their anniversary. This couple loves each other. They really do. And yet, they're spending the evening in opposite sides of the house. Why? Because it's the crazy cycle. Whenever a woman feels unloved, she will react. Whenever the man sees the reaction, he feels disrespected. And then he communicates, and she feels more unloved, and then it goes on and on and on, and it blows marriages apart all around us. How do you get off the crazy cycle? We're going to find out today. Today, we're going to talk about what's known as the energizing cycle. The energizing cycle. You go, what's the energizing cycle? That's getting you off the crazy cycle. That means you're going to obey what God commands you to do as a husband, commands you to do as a wife, and what happens? It's going to energize your spouse. When you do what God commands you to do, it energizes your spouse to respond in a way that meets your deepest needs. And so the wife suddenly feels loved by her husband, and what does she do? It motivates her to give him what he needs, a respect, and then whenever he feels respected, it motivates him to give her more love, and then it's the energizing cycle. And that's what I want us to talk about today. And so today, next two weeks, we're going to be looking at the energizing cycle. Today, we're going to be addressing the husbands and what God commands you to do to energize your marriage. And the next week, we're going to be talking to all the women here and what you commanded by God to do to energize your marriage, okay? And so this is what I want you to do. Obviously, I want all the guys to make sure you take notes, right? And ladies, you can take notes as well, okay? But listen, ladies, do not use today's notes to beat your head over your husband's head over the, you know, with this, You don't say, well, you're not loving me the way Pastor Tony said you're supposed to love me, right? Do not do that, okay? Ladies, this becomes your prayer list, okay? This is your prayer list. Men, this is your to-do list, all right? And so jot down these elements, and what we're going to do today is we're going to begin by actually looking at manhood in our society and culture. Jot that down. The example of our culture. You see, there's basically two extremes that come from our fleshly, sinful nature that we inherited from Adam. Neither one of them are good. I mean, it's sort of like one lady put it. She said, you know, finding a good husband is like trying to find a good parking space at Walmart. Once you find one, you then realize it's handicapped. (laughs) Well, you know, there's some truth in that, okay? Because you know what? A lot of us as men, let's be honest, we are operating with a handicap. And you go. What is that handicap? We've inherited a sinful nature from our forefather Adam himself. And what does that look like? Well, there's two extremes, and I want you to jot it on the outline. For a lot of people, this is what men are. Men are chauvinist. They're just dominant. They're control freaks. They dominate. Did you know that after Adam and Eve's sin, God predicted that's what's going to marriage was going to look like? Check it out. Look at it in Genesis chapter three, verse sixteen. It says to the woman, God said, you will want to control your husband, but he will dominate you. In your outline, circle the word dominate. Now, that's not what God desires. He's just telling you, this is gonna be some of the consequences of the fall. See, there's a lot of men that are bullies. They're thugs. They're overbearing. They're intimidating. Listen to me, guys. If your wife is scared of you, something's wrong with you. That should never happen. You see, there is... A wake of broken women who have followed in the wake of men that are dominating and controlling. You see what they are? They are boys with grown-up bodies. And they think that manhood is cussing the loudest and spitting the farthest and hitting the hardest. Can I tell you something? That's not manhood. That's a joke. Quit acting like a joke. Grow up and be a man. And if you treat your wife in a disrespectful way, you're not treating them the way you should. That is a fallen nature of Adam. That's the first group of people we see in our culture and society. Now, there's a lot of men that will see that, dominating men and chauvinists, and we're like, well, that's not me. And they go to the other extreme. I call them the cowards. Jot that down. The men as cowards. These are passive men. Passive men. We inherit this from our forefather Adam as well. Think about it. Did you know that in the Garden of Eden, whenever Eve was being tempted by Satan, that Adam stood by passively? Check it out. Look at how this is written. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says, She, Eve, also gave some to her husband, Adam, look at it, who was with her, and he ate it. You go, what? You mean during that temptation, Adam just stood by and let Satan deceive and lie to his wife, and he just passively stood by and did nothing? Yes. And you know what? There's a lot of men that are just a bunch of passive do nothings. They don't take responsibility for what they need to take responsibility for. Now, there's a lot of women that like passive men. Do you know why? Because they can control them. But listen to me, ladies. You're not going to be that man's wife, you're going to be his mother. You may control him, but you're not going to really love him the way you need to. Why? Because you really want a real man. You want a man that's not just going to be passive, do nothing. And so what do men need to do? You know what? Men need to be not only present physically in the home, they need to be present emotionally as well. A lot of men don't take responsibility. They don't take responsibility of trying to be involved in their wife's life. They don't take responsibility of being involved in their kid's life. You know what? You want to just kick these men in the rear end and say, follow through, grow up, be a man, and lead, right? Right? So those are the two extremes. And we inherited both of these extremes from our forefather, Adam. And this is the tendency that every man, including me, has. Either be dominant, controlling, or passive. But I got good news for you. At the moment you become a follower of Jesus Christ, and you're born again, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. And you know what you have? You have a new nature in Jesus Christ. And you don't have to live according to your old Adam, your forefather. You have a new Adam, Jesus Christ, who can change you on the inside. So we see the example of our culture. Now, let's look at the example of Christ. Jot that down. Here's the example of Christ. You want to know what a real man looks like? All you got to do is look at Jesus Christ. And what Paul does in Ephesians chapter 5 is Paul shows you how Christ loves his bride, which is the church, and we are to love in the same way. Check it out. Look at it. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. The Bible says this. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Circle two words. Circle the word loved. What does that mean? That means Jesus is not, you know, some chauvinist he loves. And circle the word gave. That means Jesus is not passive. No, he's involved. Jesus takes responsibility. Let me put it to you like this. You know this to be true. It's the gospel. Your sin is your fault. You understand that? I mean, your sin is not Jesus' fault. Your sin is your fault. And even though your sin is your fault, you know what Jesus does? He takes responsibility for it. You see what a lot of men do? They'll go, well, this ain't my fault. This ain't my job. This ain't my responsibility. That is not the words coming out of a Christian man's mouth. Because even though something may not be your fault, guess what? It is your responsibility. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, it is your responsibility to love your wife in these ways. And so what does it look like? Well, three ways that Christ demonstrated love to his bride and that we as husbands are to demonstrate love toward our wives. Number one is this, jot this down. First of all, you need to love your wife with a sacrificial love. You need to love your wife with a sacrificial love. Think of it, Jesus Christ loved us so much, he sacrificed his very life for us. Check it out, look at it again in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. I believe that's one of the hardest verses in the Bible because you know what that's telling us to do, men? It's telling us that I'm supposed to love my wife unconditionally. That word agape, that's the word for love. It means an unconditional, unconditional, a divine kind of love. And just in case you miss it, you have the example of Christ himself. Jesus Christ loves us so much he dies on the cross for our sins. That is an amazing sacrificial love. Now think about this. When did Jesus die for you? Was it when you were seeking him and worshiping him and following him? No. Look at it. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says this. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means when our backs were turned against him, when our fish were clenched against him, whenever we had this rebel's heart, God says, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. Husbands, I know this is hard. But you are to love your wife with a sacrificial, unconditional love. You go, what does that mean? That means you love her even when she's unlovely. Right? That means you love her when she's kind or when she's critical. You love her when she makes sense or when she's totally illogical. You love her whenever, you know what, her emotions are high or when her emotions are low. Whenever she is spending within the budget or when she just busted the budget. Whenever she is sexually passionate for you or when she's sexually cold to you. You are to love her in all those times. Is that hard? Yes, it is. But Christ will empower you to have that kind of sacrificial love. Now, there's a lot of men, they'll say, well, you know what? If a robber ever came to our house, you know what? I would lay down my life for, for my wife to protect her from that robber. Okay, awesome. Would you take the garbage out to her for her? Would you put your dish into the dishwasher? Would you pick up behind yourself? Would you do that? Well, I ain't doing that. Then you're a hypocrite. You're not willing to lay down your life for her, are you? You see, let me give you some specific ways of how you, as a husband, can love her unconditionally. A couple application questions just to help you in this process. First application question is this. Shut this down. Ask yourself this. How much time do you devote to your wife each week? How much time do you devote to your wife each week? Why do I say that? Because look at me. Wives look at their husbands through the grid of asking, does he really love me? Am I special to him? Is he devoted to me? Wives often spell love, T-I-M-E. That means, yeah, you need to be home physically, but you need to be home emotionally. See, you're not just, you know, two people with a marriage license. No, you are connecting with each other. There's a lot of men who go, well, you know, I, I, just, I just can't do that. Yes, you can. You know how I know you can do that? Because you used to do that when you dated her. You didn't. I mean, you gave her that attention back then, didn't you? I mean, you know, you found out what she liked and you paid attention to her needs. But, you know, men are a lot like big game hunters. What happens is, is that once we get the kill, we bag it and then we move on to our next adventure, right? And so a lot of husbands, they get married and then they go, okay, accomplished that. Now I'm going to take her for granted and I'm going to move on to the next kill, all right? But I'm telling you, for the rest of your life, you need to treat her and look after her the same way you did when you dated her. That's how you, you know, you won her in the first place. Statistically, the Bible says, I mean, st- statistically, um, the science tells us, to have a successful marriage relationship, it requires 10 hours a week of undivided attention. Now, let me explain this. Susan will come to me and she'll say, Tony, I need your attention. And what that means is no television, no sports center, um, no iPad, no phone on, uh, giving her undivided attention. And i got to tell you, two simple commitments changed our marriage. One was we decided we were going to take a daily walk. Almost every day, Susan and I take a walk. Do you know why? Not because I like to walk. Because she's got my undivided attention. Every week, we'll take a little break. We don't spend any money. We'll go, you know, hiking somewhere. You know, why? Because she has my undivided attention. That is critical. Now, listen, does it come natural? No. We're so self-centered. I'm the most self-centered person you know, except for the person you look at in the mirror, right? And so, this doesn't come natural to us, but with the power of Christ, we can do this, okay? Let me ask you a second application question. Jot this down. How much communication do you give to your wife? How much communication do you give to your wife? Why? Because women connect emotionally with us whenever we're talking with them. Now, most of us as men, we're just not conversationalists. We don't. We, just, we don't communicate well. We just don't. I mean, you've heard me say the statistics before. The average woman will speak about 60,000 words a day. The average man speaks about 35,000 words a day. And so what does that mean? That means by the time I come home... I've used up all my words. I got nothing left for her, right? And so, you know, she gets a few grunts and uh and uh uh-huhs, right, right? You know? And so what do you do? Well, you go, Christ, I need you to empower me. Fill me. Help me die to my selfishness so I can, you know, get a few more syllables out to her. And so, Susan and I decided, because I'm not, you know, I run out of things to talk about. And what am I going to talk about? And so we came up with three simple questions that we ask ourselves almost every day, at least every week. And I've put them on your outline, and this is very simple. And you can ask each other these three questions every day, and it will revolutionize your marriage. What is it? First question is this. What's the best part of your day? And you just listen. What's the best part of your day? You ask her. She asks you. What's the best part of your day? Basically, whenever you do that, you're finding out what... Lifts her spirit, right? What, what puts wind beneath his wings? Then the second question is, okay, what's the worst part of your day? What are you concerned about? What are you worried about? What's the burden that's got your heart right now? And whenever you share that, oh, my goodness, you discover so much about your spouse. Just sharing those, those two simple answers. Third question you try to share at least once a week is this one. What is a desire, a wish, or dream that you have right now? I mean it's amazing so often we focus on the past and we stop dreaming about the future together but it's amazing when you talk about dreams and your desires suddenly you realize oh this is what really stokes my husband this is what really stokes my wife you share those three questions with each other at least once a week you know what's gonna happen your marriage is gonna start to soar it's it's so simple and yet it takes us as men to die to our selfishness and go okay I gotta love her the way Christ loved the church. And one way I gotta do that is with a sacrificial love. This is what she needs. And I'm telling you, when your wife sees this, it energizes your marriage. There's a second way that you love, not only with a sacrificial love, but jot this on your the outline. There's also a purifying love. A purifying love. We, we know that Jesus, He, he, he died on the cross and sacrificed himself to us, but guess what? He also forgave us. Look at these verse, verse 26 says this, that he, Christ, might sanctify, that's purify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he, Christ, might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, I know that those verses primarily talk about the church and us and our salvation, and God saves us and forgives us and and purifies us, right? But did you know that you as a husband can have a purifying love to your wife? And you go, in what way? By stepping up and being a spiritual leader in your home. You know, the context of these verses, Paul says, in essence, that. It's found, look at it, in just a few verses earlier, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. What does it say? It says, husband is the head of the wife. Now, some men will read that and go, I'm the head. What that means is, you're the leader, Take responsibility. Now, this has nothing about value. Listen, men and women are equal before God, equal in worth before God. This has nothing to do with who's more spiritual than the other. Can I just be honest with you? I believe my wife is more spiritual and has a closer relationship with Christ than I do. Okay? But God calls me to be a spiritual leader in a home. The sad reality for many Christian men in church today is that they have become passive men. And because we've become passive men, what happens? There's a huge vacuum in the home, and the wife has to step up. And so what happens? So many times the woman comes to, the wife comes to church by herself, or she's got to be the one that drags the kids here, or somehow compel and drag the husband here. Can I tell you something? That's your job. Put that, uh, quit putting that on her. You take that responsibility. Be a spiritual leader. And so, okay, what does that look like? Well, let me give you just three simple questions to ask yourself. Number one is this, are you reading the Bible personally? Because it's hard for you to give to somebody else something that you don't have. Are, Are you reading the Bible? Are you trying to seek after God? We need men like Joshua in the Old Testament who said, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Can I tell you, a woman has no problem following after a man that she knows is following after Jesus. No problem at all, okay? So are you personally reading the Bible? Second is this. Are you having family devotions? Family devotions, you know what does that mean? That means where you read the Bible together, or you read a devotional book together. I've shared before that my salvation is directly linked to my dad making this decision. I was a lost alcoholic young man. And my dad says, boys, before we go work on the farm every morning, breakfast time, we're going to start reading the Bible together. And I can point to that decision by my dad taking spiritual leadership and suddenly Nine months later, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's the same way for you. I mean, we took that, and so what do we do? Every morning during breakfast time, when our kids were young, we would what? We'd read the Word of God together. We'd do a devotion together. Now they're all four adult young, um, young adults and following Jesus, praise God. But Susan and I continue that. Every morning during breakfast time, we take about 20 minutes and we'll read the Word together, or read a devotion book together. We'll go right write now media together. We'll just take 20 minutes. And you know what? It changes our relationship as we talk about things in the Lord. And but Why? Because the Bible says, I am to sanctify her through the washing of the water of the word. Something happens in that process. There's a third question I ask you. Are you praying with your wife? Now, I know a lot of guys, this is hard. Why? Because we feel so inadequate. We, we feel, you know, like, oh, my goodness, you know, I, I, just, I, I just don't know if I can do that. I don't pray as good as she does. And, and can, can I just tell you, I know it's hard. But if you will just pray over and with your wife and she prays over you, there'll be nothing more healing in your relationship. It's a purifying love. Listen, as men, when we take the lead, guess what? It purifies our home. It purifies the relationship. Let me speak just briefly to those of you who are single and maybe dating a guy. Okay, And this guy is saying to you, you know what, it's okay, we can have sex outside of marriage and he's compelling you to cross the sexual barrier and if you really love me, you'll do that. Can I tell you something? That's not a godly man asking you that. That is a user. Why? Because a godly man will do what? He will protect your purity. He won't try to take it from you. So here we have Christ, he's the example. Unconditional, sacrificial love purifying love. Ten years ago, I was doing a a series called A Family Wish List, and I surveyed our congregation back then, and I just said, as married couples, what is the number one thing you wish your husband would be? You know what our church said ten years ago? The number one thing that all the ladies in our church said, I wish my husband would be the spiritual leader of our home. I believe it's still true today. It's a purifying love, a sacrificial love, a purifying love. What's the third way that Christ loves? Jot this down, a caring love, a caring love. This is the kind of love that encourages and builds up the spouse. Look at it, verse 29. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but what? But nourishes and cherishes it. I mean, we as husbands are to love our wives like we love ourselves. Now, this ought to be easy for us because we do love ourselves, right? I mean, you know what? I know how to take care of me and I don't know how to look out for me and nourish me and look out for number one. I mean, really, the golden rule for marriage is do unto your wife as you would do unto yourself. And you know what? When you do that, she will feel loved. Paul says that if you do that, you will nourish and cherish her. In your outline, circle the word cherish there. You know what that means? That means treasured, valued, prized, appreciated, esteemed, revered. That's what your wife is looking for. It's been said that if you treat your wife like a thoroughbred, you'll never have a nag. (laughs) And I believe it's true. Can, Can I tell you something? That women, they go through life and they're looking at their husbands and they're asking a simple question. Am I valuable to you? Do you esteem me? Am I beautiful to you? Do you love me? Am I worthy of your time? Right? James Dobson surveyed over 5,000 women and discovered that the number one source of depression in women was their low self-esteem and their worth. Now listen, I know that a man cannot fill up the emotional needs of a wife. We can't. It's impossible. Christ alone, ladies, can satisfy your emotional needs. Okay, We can't do that. But God does expect us as men to cherish them in such a way that we help in the process. And so let me just ask you a couple of application questions that will help you in this process, all right? First application question is this. Do you tell your wife how much you appreciate her? Do you tell your wife how much you appreciate her? Do you pay her compliments? Mark Twain said, I can survive an entire month on a good compliment. It's true. I mean, women need to know that they're appreciated, I mean, if a a wife was homeless, her son that she'd hold up was, I'll work for appreciation. It's true. Women desire to be appreciated. And so I try to text Susan almost every day with just a little word of encouragement, something to build her up, help her know that I'm thinking about her. So guys, what do you need to do? You need to take note, because this doesn't come natural to us, take note when she goes to the beauty parlor and you go, okay, i got to say something good about her hair, right? Or, you know, she buys a new dress. Okay, i got, got to pay a compliment there. She tries something new that she's cooking. i got to, you know, pay a, some, a compliment there. And listen, you got to verbalize it. We think, we do. Guys, we really do think it, but we don't verbalize it. And silence is taken as an insult. Do you tell your wife you appreciate her? Second question is this. Do you do, do you give things to make her feel special? Do you do things? Do you open the door for her? Do do you, you know, ask her opinion? Do you give her things? Do do you give her a card or, you know what, a flower? I mean, you ask men, why do you give women flowers whenever you've had a fight? And guys will say, I don't know. I just know it works, right? And it's true. You give a man a flower, he'll think you're an idiot, right? But you give a woman a flower, and she starts crying. Why? Because women are into symbols. And it symbolizes something. It symbolizes, I'm special. Uh, 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 You know, it represents love and appreciation. See, that's why birthdays and anniversaries and Valentine's Day, for most men, doesn't mean a thing. But to women, those are special days. And if you forget them, it hurts them. Let me just give you an illustration like this way. Suppose you had two men, and they're going to give their wife a birthday gift. One man decides that he's going to give his wife a brand new car. Most of us have been, would go, oh my goodness, he wins, right? But the other man, he can't afford that. And so he takes his wife out for lunch. And then afterwards, they go walking around a little park. And they talk and they hold hands. And, and he finds a little stone there and he gets a sharpie. And he writes three or four little compliments on it and gives it to her. Tell me, which woman feels most loved during that birthday? You know what the first woman who gets the car she will be very appreciative and she will feel loved But will she feel most loved? Well, let me put it to you like this when that lady is 70 years old What do you think she'll have on the mantle? Do you think she'll have a picture of that car that you gave her? Or do you think she'll have that rock where there's a few little words? She'll have the rock won't she why because those things mean the most listen guys Most of us we find ourselves on the crazy cycle God commands us, take the lead, love your wife the way Christ loves, and when you do, what happens? It starts the energizing cycle. Whenever you take responsibility and you take the lead and you love her, and suddenly she feels special when she's in your presence, I'm telling you, it energizes her to love you the way you really long to be loved. But guys, we gotta quit taking our culture and looking at it for our lead. We gotta start following Jesus Christ. Jesus said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's what it means to be a real man in marriage.
0: Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.